Well, good morning. Welcome to ABC. Thanks so much for tuning in. Um, we've got a lot going on this summer uh, that we're, we're just gearing up for. So wanted to mention a couple of things before we get started on the message here. Um, this coming weekend, so not today, if you're watching this on Sunday, um, but this coming Sunday, we're opening up Sunroom Cafe. Um, that's our cafe that's out on the front, on the street front. And that'll be open now on Sundays. So you can come on by, they got a full menu open. All of our coffee and donuts from the previous cafe are moving up to that uh, location. Um, so if you haven't been on campus in a while, um, if you haven't been with us on a Sunday in a while, or maybe even ever, it's a great opportunity to come on by. I believe the sunroom opens at eight o'clock and um, they'll be open kind of through the second service. Our services are eight, nine o'clock and 1045. And then I also wanted to mention, just a heads up as you sort of look at your summer calendar, uh, we're sending a whole bunch of students to Hume Lake. Um, they're gonna go up there on June 26th. Um, about 300 students and staff and volunteers are going along with them and stuff. And um, when they come back, we have this tradition of doing an all church baptism service um, when our students come back from human. A lot of times students have the opportunity to make a decision for Christ um, and sometimes make a decision to be baptized. And so we do a baptism service following Hume. This year, we're returning to our baptism at the beach. We're gonna do it over in Cayucas. And so we're moving church out to the beach that Sunday. So July 3rd, mark your calendar, Sunday, July 3rd, one service out at the beach at 10.45. You're not gonna wanna miss it. We're baptizing students following the service in the ocean. And then we've got a barbecue lunch um, for everyone to enjoy right afterwards. So July 3rd, Sunday, 10.45, Church at the Beach, Cayucas, just north of the pier. Um, we'd love to see you there. So a couple of fun things coming up I wanted you to be aware of. We're gonna continue on in our um, series here in Matthew. And in chapter five, verse 37, Jesus says, let your yes be yes and your no be no. That's part of our passage for this morning. And you might find this hard to believe, but uh, I've actually been accused of using too many words at times. Um, I'm not short on words, although that's kind of my job, you know, to talk at you. Um, so, you know, that, that sound makes like a good amount of sense. Um, but this funny thing happened a few weeks ago. Um, we're, we get some of these spam emails, or actually I'd call them like fraud emails. Um, our staff actually at ABC sometimes gets emails that come from me. They use my name and they send them uh, to our staff saying they you know need to transfer money or buy gift cards or these just kind of wacky um, fraudulent emails. And so our office manager, Tiffany, sent out an email to all staff that said, hey, warning, there's some fraud emails coming out. Um, pay attention, it's probably not from Jeff, but here's how to tell if it's an authentic Jeff Erke email. She said, first, check the email address, but second, there's probably more words than necessary used in the email. That's how you'll know it's actually from Jeff. And so she's just saying a little tongue-in-cheek way that I have a tendency to use more words than not. And so I thought I'd like to demonstrate this for a second and show you how this works. I brought a bucket of, what's well, a bowl of, of rocks. These are like those like nice little glass rocks here. So here's what I'm gonna do. My lovely assistant Marnie's gonna step up here with me. And these rocks all represent my words. So they're colorful, you know, not to be confused with colorful language. That's different than colorful words, I think. But I've got these colorful rocks and every rock represents a word. So if I just start throwing rocks at Marnie, like this, you know, just a few. Oh, I missed one there. I, Marnie can catch most of my words. These are, I'm handpicking these. I'm intentionally tossing 
some words at Marnie. But if I am not so intentional and I take this bucket of rocks and I try to, come on, Marnie, get the words, get the words. It's a lot harder to catch how many words did you get? Mm, I don't know. Uh, probably like 10%. Yeah, there's a lot more. And that there. probably wasn't the 10% I wanted you to hear. That was probably like the ands and the ifs and the buts and the its. So she didn't catch very many of my words when I just start to dump them. But if I choose my words, thank you, Marnie. Yes. Let's give Marnie a hand. You can clap from home there. Um, we, uh, we are so cavalier with our words sometimes thinking that if we use more volume, if we use more words, if I say more things, then eventually the message will get through. And it's just not true. If we're more intentional with our words though, if we're careful with our words, if we choose our words, then sometimes our impact is greater. You may not struggle with this the way I do, um, but I think that when, when we grasp this concept that our words have power, our words have meaning, the more intentional we are with our words, um, it's not so much that you have to say things more eloquently or more witty um, to try to motivate a different response. It's just that you need to choose them. Pick the rock that you're gonna throw. Pick the word you're gonna use. Choose them rather than dumping words. I bet that some of you do this too. You might be thinking, oh, I don't have a problem with too many words. You know, I'm a man of few words or whatever. Um, but consider this. The Dodgers are playing on Tuesday and you're really into the Dodgers. I'm just gonna assume you're really into the Dodgers. So there's a game on Tuesday and you really wanna go to the game, but you know that your spouse hates baseball. And so they probably don't wanna go with you to the game. So here's what you do in order to lead someone with your words. You say, hey, you know what would be really fun? Let's do something spontaneous this week. What if we just got in the car and went for a drive and we drove to LA, I know, crazy, spontaneous. Let's go to LA, let's go to that restaurant we used to love down there, Italian place. We're gonna get dinner, just need some quality time, be really good to get out of town, um, and just have some time to reconnect. And so you make that pitch to your spouse. And then two hours later, you send a text message. And the text message says, Hey, crazy thing, I just found out Dodgers are at home playing a game on Tuesday. I know, it's just shocking. Hey, what if after dinner we just swing by the stadium and, and pick up the game? Sound like a good idea? And you get those little three dot <laughs> bubble waiting text message and you're waiting for the response, waiting for the response, how's this gonna land, how's this gonna respond, and you get this very strong one word response that says, serious, question mark. And you go, yeah, no, but I, I really just think it'd be a good time we can spend together and you use more words and you use more words and then you get these three strong words that send chills up your spine and a pit in your stomach that says, enjoy the game. And you're like, oh no, I don't think I stepped in it now. And so then you try to scramble and put more words in the text message. You go, no, no, really, I just wanted quality time. Hey, I don't care about the Dodgers. No big deal, like, hey, let's do dinner. And you're just sending more words and more words. And then you say something you really don't mean. I promise you say, I don't care about the game. Let's just do dinner. And you start throwing out things that you don't even mean in an effort to cycle back to some sort of semblance of relationship and marriage. Have you ever caught yourself trying to manipulate 
decisions or outcomes with your words. Maybe using words that are too abundant. Maybe using words that aren't even true. Maybe using words that you don't even believe. And in this passage this morning, Jesus is saying very clearly, say what you mean, say what's true, and say it briefly. You're dumping a bucket of rocks when you could be or should be handpicking just a few. Look at the text with me as we jump in this morning. It's Matthew chapter 5, and we're going to start reading in verse 33. Again, you have heard it said that it was said to those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. But I say to you, Do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by earth, for it is the footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let what you say simply be yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. And Jesus throws out this statement that we read earlier. Let your yes be yes Let your no be no. Simply say yes or no. Use fewer words. Choose your words carefully. But he starts by saying, you've heard it said. And we're in this sequence of the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus is saying, you've heard it said, you've read the teaching or uh, you've heard the law, you've been taught the law from the Old Testament. But here's what I say. And he continues to bring up these heart issues. And so what's he saying when he says, you've heard it said? Well, he's going back to the Old Testament law about making an oath or taking an oath before the Lord. Let's see what it says in the book of Numbers. It says, Moses spoke to the heads of the tribes of the people of Israel saying, This is what the Lord has commanded. If a man vows a vow to the Lord or swears an oath to bind himself by a pledge, he shall not break his word. He shall do according to all that proceeds out of his mouth. Now, this sounds like common sense. You read this commandment in Numbers. It sounds like just a good moral value. Yeah, let your your promises be fulfilled before the Lord. Do what you said you were going to do. Operate out of integrity. Be honest. It makes sense. Then we get to the version of this commandment in Deuteronomy. And I want to point something very key out to you in this passage. Deuteronomy chapter 23, 21. Let me read it um, here. It says in verse 21, If you make a vow to the Lord, your God, you shall not delay fulfilling it. For the Lord your God will surely require it of you, and you will be guilty of sin. But if you refrain from vowing, you will not be guilty of sin. You shall be careful to do what is past your lips, for you have voluntarily vowed to the Lord your God what you have promised with your mouth. Now, there's a key verse right in the middle of that passage. Verse 22 says, But if you refrain from vowing, you will not be guilty of sin. So here's what happened in the history and the tradition of of Israel. The Hebrews that read this commandment, they said, oh, okay, loophole. All I need to do is not make a vow before the Lord. If I don't make a vow before the Lord, I don't have to fulfill the promise. I don't have to keep my word. I could make a vow to any other thing but to the Lord, and then I don't have to continue on in my commitment to the vow that I made. And so what happened is, culturally, promises became cheap. 
and commitment became watered down. Just like Gerald talked about last week, how there was a culture of easy divorce that had crept into Israel. This is a culture of easy promise. A culture where the weight of words was only significant if it was vowed before the Lord. If you vow it before the Lord or swear to the Lord, as other translations or versions would say, then certainly you have to keep it and it's a sin if you don't. But loophole here in Deuteronomy and the the thing that they would point to is, well, it says if I don't make a vow before the Lord, then it's not sin if I don't keep it. And so you have people vowing to every other thing, but they're not keeping it. Jesus is saying, don't make an oath at all. Don't make a vow at all. Don't swear by heaven or by earth or by Jerusalem or by your head. Just choose your words and mean what you say and stick with them. And so that's the message this morning. Choose your words. Don't just dump empty promises on those in your family and your community and your friendship. Don't just spew out a whole bunch of words and just saying, well, I don't really, I didn't really mean that. I'm not really committing. I'm not swearing before God. So I can just say what I want to say. No, that's not the way of Jesus. He's saying, but I say to you, why vow at all? Choose words that are true. We're going to start right there at the top. The first verse, verse 33. Again, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not swear falsely. So let's just start with the baseline of truth. First of all, you have to say what's true. Choose words that are true. Do not break your oath. Do not give in on your promise. If you give your word, keep it. Don't say it if it's not true and don't say it if you don't mean it. I appreciate how James comments on words and and really how significant words are to James. In chapter three, or uh, yeah, chapter three, verse two, he says, for we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man. Did you catch that? We all stumble in many ways. We all sin. We all have flaws. But if anyone doesn't stumble in what he says, he's perfect. And is anyone perfect? No, no one's perfect. That means we all use our words to stumble. Then he goes on to say, if we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Our words can direct not only our actions, they can direct our bodies, they can direct our motive. Our words are strong. So govern your tongue for it will lead you. Govern your words for they will draw you astray. Your words will overcommit you. They will oversell you. They will get you into a position that you don't want to be. So careful, say only what's true. I think one of the hardest things um, for us sort of culturally is we get stuck in in wanting to say things that are going to help us to appear maybe just a bit more polished than we are. We get stuck in maybe wanting to exaggerate the truth um, because it either is more compelling for people, uh, more engaging for them, or, or maybe just because it uh, makes us look better. So we say things that are just maybe, maybe half true, you know, but we're just throwing a little bit more on the top to sugarcoat it. 
and we get to this point where we're overselling maybe ourselves, maybe you're overselling a product or maybe you're overselling a concept or an idea or a date night down to Dodger Stadium. We oversell because we, we think that people need to hear more. And I think Jesus is saying, let's speak less and just mean what you say. Say the things that you mean and only what you mean. But it's also important, I think, for us to realize, and this is so significant in the environment we're living in today, that you don't always need to say the truth. Everything you say should be true, but you don't always need to say the true thing. Sometimes it's okay to be quiet. Do you hear the difference? When you speak, it should always be true, but do you always need to speak is the question. I think we could all learn from a bit of governance in that, um, in that dynamic with our, our lips and our words. Sometimes you don't need to say the truth. There's this line in John chapter 16 as Jesus is kind of instructing his disciples. I really love it. It's verse 12. He says, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. <laughs> and then he goes on to talk about the spirit revealing truth to them. But I just feel like this is such a clear, great way to just say Jesus didn't need to say all the true things to them right now. He knew that they couldn't handle it. By the way, this is like a great quote, great line to use when your mom tries out a new uh, dish, a new recipe for dinner, and you're just kind of you know, maybe choking it down. And she says, how do you like dinner? Isn't it great? I tried a new recipe and you could just quote John 16, 12. I have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. <laughs> Kids, just quote that to your mom. Timing matters. Speaking truth requires discernment. It requires kindness. It requires grace. I think we can at times afford to withhold the truth for the proper time. It's, it's really the essence of kindness. It's grace and truth. Truth is the thing that needs to be communicated, but grace is the timing and the manner in which it's communicated. And we have to hold these in tension and it requires a lot of wisdom and a lot of discernment. Jesus had that discernment. He withheld some of those words. He didn't tell the disciples all the things that were true and you couldn't take, they couldn't take it at the time. But they would hear, they would understand the spirit would reveal them to his disciples in time but don't just tell others what you think they want to hear and this is another classic cultural problem we end up saying things that we know people are gonna appreciate whether or not they're true don't do that it's not fair to them it's not fair to you and all that will get you is a repeat from last night's dinner recipe these are empty words. Choose words that are true. And choose words that you actually believe. It's the second point there on your outline. Choose words that you can stand behind. Let's go back to the passage in verse 36. And do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let me explain to you what Jesus is doing here. He's run this sequence of oaths. So he starts with the oath made before the Lord. That's the prominent oath. That's the most weighty and heavy oath that was commanded of in the, the Old Testament. If you make an oath, if you make a promise before God, if you swear to God, which is really what he's saying here, then you gotta keep it. But then he's saying, but, but also don't make an oath by heaven for that's the dwelling place of God. 
Don't make an oath by, by the earth, or that's the footstool of God. That's the ground in which God has established for us. Don't make an oath on the city of God, the city of the great King Jerusalem. And don't make an oath even on the hairs of your head. And here's what's happening. Here's why Jesus brings this up. Because oaths had been reduced all the way down to hairs on your head. If you're not willing to swear before God, if you're not willing to make an oath or a promise before heaven or before the earth or before Jerusalem, your promise is so lightweight, is so minimal, so wishy-washy that you're not even going to promise it before heaven or for, before earth or before Jerusalem. You're only going to promise it to the hair of your head and you're going to say, well, if I don't fulfill my word, my hair will turn gray. And Jesus is saying, no that's ridiculous. You're seriously going to swear by the hair on your head? And he says, by the way, no one can change the color of their hair. You can't make your hair black or make it white or gray. No, that's ridiculous. If you wouldn't swear by any of those other things, we minimize it all the way down to just the hair on your head, then what is the point in making a promise? You don't even believe it. You don't even think you're going to follow through. You're just saying it just to say it. And that's where Jesus calls this culture out. He's saying you have so little faith in the oath that you're going to swear only by the hair of your head. Not by heaven, not by earth, not by Jerusalem. Certainly not to God's name. Only by the hair on your head. I've learned uh, not to say some things in front of my kids I'm tempted to do it all the time because I'm a salesman. You know, it's like I'm going to pitch something that's going to get a rise and, and really be a, a fun and exciting thing to talk about. And so things like, you know, hey, kids, what if we built a treehouse this summer? I'll throw something out like that because it's fun to talk about and dream about and, and just kind of toss around some words and think about what that might look like. But in the back of my mind, in reality, I know there's no way we're going to build a treehouse. I don't have the time this summer. Lumber's really expensive. And there's no way that my wife's going to let our kids climb 20 feet up in the tree. We're not building a treehouse. But somehow, in some way, in my mind, in a twisted sense, it felt t fun to talk about. And so even though I didn't believe it, I still threw it out hey, we should build a treehouse this summer. Yeah, build a treehouse. And then I'm kind of like, wait a minute, I don't know if we're really going to do that. Yeah, we're not going to build a treehouse, but I'm not going to break it to him just yet. I'm not going to keep that word. I'm not going to swear that before God, certainly not before um, heaven, earth, or Jerusalem. Maybe I would swear it by my head. Hey, guys, if I don't build a treehouse, you can shave my head. Is that all that that promise is worth to me is my hair? Don't say it. Don't do it. Clearly, even you don't believe it. Even I don't believe it. So choose words that you believe. And then just a very simple, very clear charge from Jesus here at the end of the passage. Choose fewer words. Let what you say, this is verse 37, be simply Yes or no. Love that word simply. Simple speech. Simple language. Simple words. Let it be yes or no. You don't need to embellish. You don't need to add a whole bunch of words. When you're picking up your, your bucket of words, your glossary, look at the glossary and say, you know what, this is about all the words I need right now. And I'm going to 
I'm gonna throw them specifically. Instead of looking at this going, you know what? I think everybody would be better off if I used all these words and I dumped the entire pot pile. Jesus is saying, no, just let your words be simply yes and no. I love this proverb, chapter 10. When words are many, transgression is not lacking. When there is a plethora of words, there's clearly some transgression happening. Because simple speech, what he says, anyone who restrains his lips is prudent. Prudent, discipline, responsibility, clarity comes in disciplining your lips, restraining your lips. Warren Wiersbe says, the more words a man uses to convince us, the more suspicious we should be. Isn't that true? Have you ever met somebody that's trying to convince you of something and they just won't shut up? It's like, man, I would have believed you if you would have stopped talking like 10 minutes ago, right? There was actually a study on this. Uh, Harvard Business Review created this environment um, where they gave a business negotiator the opportunity to lie or to tell the truth. And they basically gave him a sum of money and so they could, they could lie or tell the truth about this sum of money that they'd received um, in this pitch to a business partner and they conclusively found that the liar always, every time, the one who was lying about the sum of money always used more words than he that was telling the truth. They called it the Pinocchio effect. The word count grew as the lie continued, and they used an increasingly amount of profanity as the lie grew in an effort to convince. You see this sort of desperation kind of come in when people aren't buying what you're selling or believing what you're saying. There was so much uh, anxiety that profanity started to come out because the words just kept flowing and it felt like maybe they weren't strong enough and so they start using stronger words. And I think this is so true, whether or not you're trying to sell something or whether or not you're in a blatant lie, so true that the, the less integrity you have, the more words you end up using to cover it up. Words matter, choose them carefully, choose fewer words. Again, James writes this just beautiful warning of how powerful and specific our words are to be when he writes you know, a warning to evaluate our words in James chapter three. In fact, I wanna read it from the message as a paraphrase um, that Eugene Peterson wrote because it's just so descriptive of, of words. Listen to what he says. And it only takes a spark, remember, to set off a forest fire, a careless or wrongly placed word out of your mouth can do that. By our speech, we can ruin the world, turn harmony to chaos, throw mud on a reputation, send the whole world up in smoke and go up in smoke with it. Smoke right from the pit of hell. Let me stop there for a minute. Do you remember what Jesus said at the end of the passage when he was talking about yes be yes and no be no? He said anything more than this comes from evil. And then James reflects back on this when he says that our words will create a fire that'll send our world up in smoke. And then he says, smoke right from the pit of hell. And he finishes the passage saying, this is scary. You can tame a tiger, but you can't 
tame a tongue. It's never been done. The tongue runs wild, a wanton killer. Let me read that same verse in the ESV translation. Verse 8, chapter 3, verse 8 says, For every kind of beast and bird, a reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. What a fierce and strong warning that James has given us. You can tame a tiger, but you can't tame the tongue. Words are powerful. Your tongue is powerful. Your, your body will be directed, will be wandering into space that you never wanted to be if you allow for your tongue to run, to lead you, to steer you, and to pull you where you didn't want to be. You might have heard me quote my father speaking to my childhood self before, saying, Jeffrey, engage your brain before engaging your tongue. Man, I can't tell you how many times he said that because I would just run my mouth and I would just pop off and say things that I didn't mean. Maybe say things I didn't believe. Maybe say things that weren't true. Saying things that were unnecessary, using more words than, than I needed to use. Engage your brain before engaging your tongue. Choose your words. Be intentional. And Jesus isn't saying in this passage that we should never make a promise. That we shouldn't participate in an oath, maybe in a court of law or making some sort of commitment to our words, commitment to the truth of our words, a testimony. That's not what he's saying. But what is he saying? Here's how I'd reduce it down. Your word should always be as good as an oath. Your word should always have as much integrity as it would if you were making a promise before the Lord, before God. Every word you use, everything you say should be as sound as it were if you were going to say it before the Lord as a promise. So choose your words, choose your rocks carefully, one rock at a time. Don't go dumping a whole pile of rocks on people. It's unhelpful. Choose your words. Whether making a promise or not, use only words that you will intend to keep. Words that are true. Words that you believe. Words that you've handpicked. And as I, I work my way through this chapter with Jesus starting with the Beatitudes, at the beginning of chapter 5, he has all the blessed statements. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the um, those... Um, who are persecuted for righteousness sake. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are the pure in heart. And then he starts to walk through this practical application of what it means to live in the kingdom of God as he discusses what pure in heart means. Pure in heart as it relates to adultery. Pure in heart as it relates to anger. Pure in heart now here as it relates to your promises and to your oaths, to your words. What does it mean when Jesus is saying, blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God. Here's what I think he's saying is that your words are a reflection of what's in your heart. If you're using too many words, if you're saying things that aren't true, if you're overselling or underselling, 
If you're using words that you don't even believe, it's a reflection on something that's in your heart. And I think that's the real question for us to conclude with this morning is what's driving the use of our language? What's driving the use of those words? What's in your heart? What, what sort of pain or brokenness is still being stored up in there that's coming out when you use words? Jesus says in Matthew chapter 12, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. It's pouring out of us. And I'm not sure what what it might be for you, what sin issue, what overactive appetite you might have for the praises of man that causes you to be hungry for attention, that you're looking for commendation, that you're looking for people to celebrate or praise you. Might be a, a heart issue of pride that maybe you think too much or too often of yourself. And so when you speak, you speak too often or too highly of yourself. Maybe the core issue is identity that you really are struggling with who you are or whose you are. And so when you speak, you're grabbing for identity, grabbing for attention from others, trying to find your place. Maybe I can be part of this group or part of this family. Maybe I can find my place by speaking words, by convincing others. Maybe you have a deceitful heart or a greedy heart that's using words to get more from people, to mine your friends, your community. It could be that you overstate or overuse or manipulate your words because of insecurity. You just want people to like you, and so you end up exaggerating things. Jesus is saying, be careful what what you say. That's the symptom. But the core issue is the heart. And blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are those whose yes is yes and no is no. Blessed are those who function out of integrity. Blessed are those who are made whole by a new identity in Christ. That's the beauty of what we're offering, what what Jesus is offering in scripture, what the church is offering is this regeneration, making the old self, the old man new so that our heart can be healed. Because until our hearts are healed, then our words will never change. They'll be untamed like lions ravaging They'll continue to wander. They'll continue to run. And so my my encouragement, only use words that you mean, that are true. Only use words you believe. Use fewer words, most likely. And ask and question what the motive of your heart is that's driving those words. And allow for God to heal that. Allow for God to grow you in that place. Let me pray for you as we identify the things he's stirring in our hearts. Lord, we come before you recognizing, me personally at least, God, I recognize I use way too many words and there's a variety of reasons. Lord, I think a lot of that comes from insecurity. I want people to like me. I want to manipulate my image. So I tell people what I think they want to hear. I tell people more than 
than what's true. Maybe lead them to believe things that paint a better picture of me than ought. I'm sorry, Lord. I'm sorry. Forgive me. I don't want you to heal that brokenness in my heart. And I want my words to follow that. I want to have fewer words, words that are intentional, words that are chosen, words that are true and honest. I want to function out of integrity. I don't want to oversell things, including myself. So God, let me honor you with my lips. Let my yes be yes and my no be no. And for every person listening on this message, Lord, I pray for the same degree of healing to take place in their heart, that their yes could be yes and their no could be no, and realize that anything more than a yes and a no and a simple, honest, chosen, intentional word, anything beyond that is evil, comes from the evil. Or may we choose our words. We pray all these things with hope. We pray all these things with the promise of you sanctifying us and making us whole. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thank you for joining us. Uh, just a quick reminder, um, this week on campus at ABC, if you're watching this on Sunday, is our VBS program. And uh, we're pumped, we are so pumped. If you've got kids that aren't signed up for that, we still have some openings. Um, we'd love to get them plugged in ASAP. And uh, so bring them on down and we'll get them uh, plugged in here for the week of VBS. And then next Sunday, um, we're gonna have a big celebration on campus and you don't wanna miss it. Um, we're gonna celebrate VBS and what the kids learn. We're gonna get to see them um, show off some of the songs and the verses and things that they've done. Um, so join us at one of our services, eight, nine, and 1045 next Sunday as well. Have a great Sunday, enjoy your weekend.